And that's not <laughs> even counting the money it's made on streaming services since it premiered on January like 15th. <laughs> what? And that's not even. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Your little warlock over there. So much more to say, but I, I have to go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey there. I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Take one. That was good. Oh, I didn't think that was as good as the one we did before. Do oh, my know? God. Okay, that was good. It's crisp. Yeah. It's but crisp you, as hell. You know you don't have to do that. We're in the same room. I know, but I just need to prove to you that my claps are good and not, oh, it's just okay. Okay. I'm going to need to redo that one. I promise oh, you. just in case, let's do it again. That's not what I say. It is what you say. Sometimes my audio will skip because, like, we're doing it over Facebook Messenger. Or maybe sometimes it just doesn't show up on my wavelength or something. Mm-hmm. But genuinely, I believe you that your claps sound good. You talk about it enough. <laughs> as if I just compiled all of the oh that was a good one i am so great it's not you're not bragging about your car you're not bragging how you're good at sports or your dick's big i'm a great clapper i am a great clapper i just i just feel like i constantly get overlooked maybe or uh underappreciated or undervalued because it's always like oh i just did a monster of a clap and you're like "Uh, let's try this again and it's like no that one was great more often than not i can hear my own clap through your headphones through your mic like i can hear my clap in your webcam that's like inception it's 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 because they're great claps. They travel dimensions, and you just don't appreciate them. So. All right, I'm, I'm sorry for that. Thank you. But I appreciate it now because we are together. We are both at Jordan's apartment underneath a herd of elephants, and we are doing a podcast. I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say <laughs> promise. Here's the thing: there is a positive and a negative of us being in the same room for editing. The negative is is that you smell. We're talking. <laughs> we can talk over each other, you know. But the positive is like it's just one little wavelength or whatever they're called, sound audio file. Yeah. And I can only do so much. So it's not like I'm gonna have to sit there and cut with so much. It's just us talking. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a little easier. Uh, but in take two, there will be two audio files because I'll still be here. However, someone's joining us for Promising Young Woman. And who's it? Who is it? It's going to be Courtney. Yeah. We're doing exciting things with our hands. Jazz hands. Yeah. Courtney is our aunt. She is part of the We Explain Movies podcast. If you do not know what the We Explain Movies podcast, they are an awesome uh, three female podcast that... Basically, okay, so one or two of them will explain to the other 
one or two of them. Don't sigh. I'm not sighing. I just take I, a breath. He always is like, oh, you do this every time we talk about them. <laughs> but it's because I want to spread the word. What if this was the first time someone logged in and was like, I'm going to check this Take Three A Movie podcast out. And they don't know who we explain movies are. They're a much better podcast than we are, so we're doing our audience a service. I just I f- I forgot about the hundreds of thousands of new subscribers and listeners that we get every episode, so my apologies. It's every day. <laughs> you act no. like we don't have a good following. Are you I mean, not proud of our of our millions? I'm not in it for the money. Don't start singing. I knew money, you. Money. Oh, he's, every time we talk about this, okay. I really like this movie. This yes. Was, this is yes. This is a movie that you and I adore. Mm-hmm. And I know Courtney has seen it probably, probably every day since it came out. I don't know how she feels about it though. Yeah, it's good that we'll finally get her opinion on yeah, it. Finally. <laughs> finally, we're not sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll do a little bit of a take one with her and take two. We just. Do take one by ourselves when we have guests. So it's not like, hey, let's do a take one. Stop. Go watch the movie. Do a take two. Yeah. Stop. Go do re- – you know what I mean? I like to uh, try to be as considerate as possible with everyone but you. That's fair. I do not consider you. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Courtney's probably teaching right now, so – Yeah, because it's 6 o'clock here and 3 o'clock – in California. California land. Math. And time. And space. Geography. And not that she teaches those things. We're saying that those are the things that we have to know about. And not that we don't think that she doesn't know about those things, but just that she that's not her profession, I don't think. She is a karate teacher. She teaches karate. Yeah. And that's really cool. And and gardening on the side. You said gardening, and my mind immediately went to the garden that I'm sitting in. I have so many plants, but they're not even plants yet. I'm okay. pissed. So, <laughs> so you guys, we've not talked about this, have we? I don't think so. Is it time? Think... Is it time to reveal my <laughs> my secret talent? Oh my god! <laughs> it's not even a talent. Okay, yet. you. Okay, so he takes. He cuts avocados open yes and takes out their essence their pits and then puts them in a bag yeah with a wet paper towel Mm -hmm. and then he um seals the bag and holds the pit hostage until it cracks yeah until it cracks open yeah and he waterboards it until it cracks (laughs) and then it starts to what and then like a little little tail root will come out and once that happens, you can put it like in a vase with some water and it will grow. So I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. I have five pits that are in vases right now and maybe four or five more in bags waiting for their roots to emerge. But none have sprouted yet. And I'm very, I'm really eager for them to sprout. But it's- Speaking of sprout, I felt like I was in Professor Sprout's class <laughs> At Hogwarts over here. This is a, like a really cute little picture. Can I take a picture of this and put this on our Instagram? I get, let me let me fancy it up first because okay. it's a little bit of a mess, but yes, I will. It's really cute. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I love yeah. them, but I hate guacamole now. I will never eat guacamole again. Why? <laughs> because I, I've used so many avocados that oh, I've just you ever so did so much guacamole. Gotcha, gotcha. Towards the beginning, you just liked guacamole. 
and avocados, like eating them. And then you, I guess, saw, I don't know, was it on TikTok or something? That I you saw, saw somebody was... I found a TikTok account of a guy who does this. He just makes plants out of pits and he made the process so it seemed so easy and fun. So I did it myself and now I can't stop. And, and I guess just to clear this up, if people were wondering, because I know you guys are all so curious, you're not growing more avocados. That's not what's no, going to happen. According to him, you need a male and female avocado to actually make a tree that bears fruits. I'm not that invested. The I don't want to. normativity of that is. <laughs> I, I don't want to grow my own avocados. I just like the plants. I think they're really beautiful. And it's cool. It's I. Anytime I go to a craft store, I always got to look at their glass vases and cups and stuff. And anytime I'm in the grocery store, I just pick up an avocado. Got you. Um, got you. So you like spending money. <laughs> you like the prettiness of it all. And you do not want to create new life. So that is spoken like a true millennial homosexual. I mean, again, I'm not in it for the money. So. <laughs> Such a fucking... We've derailed. Yeah, we have. We've derailed. Um, I always hate saying how excited I am for an episode, but I am genuinely so excited for this. Are you sure? Because you certainly say it enough. I am excited. It's... it's. I think so this, this is, is cool. long overdue that we yeah. have, you know, that we get one of the girls on this podcast, so... And so this is going to be a train that we're not getting off of either. This is... We're going to have... Hopefully, Kayleen and Kimmy very, very soon on as well. I don't know what we're going to be. They haven't picked their movie yet, but very pumped about it, too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we should um, bring Courtney on because I'm just floundering. Take two. Welcome to take two, everybody. <laughs> Jordan hates when I do that. I hate it. Uh, so we're in take two. We just watched... Promising young woman. We legit had like ten minutes to spare. We we finished it at like this was yeah. like bathroom breaks and setting this table up. <laughs> and our amazing guest, our amazing auntie, our amazing friend, is here with us. Her name is Courtney. Welcome, Courtney, to the podcast. Hi! Thank you so much for having me. It's a dream come true. Yo, Aww. it's a dream come true for us too. We are Definitely. so pumped. <laughs> Yes, in terms of just making friends on the internet, all of it's been a dream. <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah, dude. And Definitely. It, it feels like it's been a long time, too. I mean, we, what, season two is when? No, season uh, one has Jurassic Park in it. Was that the first time? Wasn't that the thing? I think that's the first time that you guys brought us up was when you said that you listened to the Jurassic Park episode. Yes, and it was in, I think it was in our Midsummer episode. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh and, and I was like, that'll lure them in because they've seen Hereditary. <laughs> so. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was our first summer of recording. That is so cool. Very cool. It yeah. still does feel so surreal when, like, I hear us come up in the podcasts and it's so fun. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. It would be a sin not to bring you up every time. We love you so much. <laughs> we love you too, for Same sure. Here. Same here. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with this movie. We, we talked about how, you know, we, we've never got to hear how you feel. Um, we think you've seen it maybe once or twice, but. <laughs> I actually, on Letterboxd now, when you go on to it, it's like that little eyeball. And then it says in the bottom the number of times you've watched it. Uh -huh. And mine's now an ex exclamation mark because it can't fit the number of times oh, I've watched it. Oh, <laughs> my God. That's amazing. I didn't know that. 
<laughs> Apparently it only it only keeps track of like single digits. So after I logged it for the ninth time, once I hit 10, it was an exclamation. That mark. is awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. So Super I expect fan. you both of you will eventually have watched things enough times like Yeah. Yeah. If you keep logging stuff, which is which will be fun. Yeah. Well, I I've seen Scream, I think, or Scream 4, like 85 times now. So I'm going to log it. That's insane. I'm going to get myself yeah, a little exclamation point. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you love this movie. I love this movie. And I definitely have a relationship with it where I was just, just the, your expectations being met is always the best because I was like in love with it before it even came out. That first trailer dropped and it was phenomenal. And to just have that much build up and then... For the pandemic to take it away from us for like almost a whole year, that built up the anticipation even more. <laughs> you know, actually listening to you guys, I think just bring it up intermittently throughout the year is what sort of kept it in my head because I remember seeing a trailer and then it was like, oh, everything got canceled. So I was like consistently, oh, shit, when is Promising Young Woman coming out? Like, I want to see that movie. I was checking in on it all the time on Wikipedia, trying to find out when the release date would be. Yeah. And then it just, I'm so happy we got it. <laughs> I did, I did buy it this time. So I own it now. It's in my library. Nice. So. Yes. And I'm Yay. very happy with it. I'm happy with that purchase. Which means I will steal it from you. I'll just <laughs> steal my login. Because that was like why it took us so long. We wanted to be able to watch it together specifically, um, not just because we like watching movies together, but to specifically not have to pay each $20. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I've, I've spent way too much money on the movie for well, all I'm the glad. times that I've rented it. <laughs> yeah, you can rent it now for like six bucks, which is good. Mm-hmm. Which is good, yeah. Um, and I, I got the DVD of it, so I've got that. And it comes with a digital copy, but I don't know what platform that'll be on. Um, oh, gotcha. gotcha yeah, gotcha. where do you all buy your, your videos to like stay forever? Are you Google Play people? It's pretty much all digital. So you do yeah. Apple. YouTube I do. People? No, I do Apple. So, like, I try to make sure – I try to get everything through Amazon because all of my devices can access that. But um, yeah, sometimes, like, YouTube might have it cheaper. So I have, like, a couple of movies bought on YouTube as well. My family probably had, like, over a 1,000 – probably, like, over 2,000 DVDs. You still do. And yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> no one uses them at all. <laughs> Like no one watches anything physical anymore. If if my mom wanted to watch a movie, it could be upstairs, and she would just. Buy she won't it. go get it. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't even think all of the rooms have DVD players anymore. I miss like having the Blu-ray collection and the DVD collection. See, I don't. I after clearing out, like after moving so many times within the last ten years, I'm like, I don't know what to do with these DVDs anymore. It's just I'm glad to be rid of them, and I'm happy with my iTunes collection. It's on all my devices, so it's easy. I feel that with the the moving and all that stuff. Yeah. I wish you could see all these books, though. He's got he's got 50 million so trillion <laughs> books. I want a bookshelf tour after this. <laughs> and he would get so mad at me if I pointed because it's sort of a, a mess. But. It's a mess. I'm still organizing them, but it, I'll get there <laughs> someday. <laughs> but yeah, I feel almost intimidated to talk about this movie. It is... It's a it's a gut punch. It is. It, yeah, it definitely is. And I, I tend to be, uh, I, I need to check myself to not be like so happy-go-lucky about it and be like, it's so fun. It's so beautiful because <laughs> it does that thing to me that like 
Titanic does as well, where it's like you watch the whole movie and it gets to the third act and you're like, maybe they won't crash into the iceberg this time. And I feel that way about Promising Young Woman. I'm like, maybe it won't happen and we'll just, it'll be fun and happy the whole time. Absolutely. Um, so I feel that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We were talking about during the movie how I feel like there are a lot of times in this film where it makes you think she's going to do something absolutely like heinous and mm-hmm. she like it pulls you back a little bit like she's not she doesn't do anything that's awful she's just getting these people back and teaching them a lesson in a in a pretty humane way you know her methods it's it's very humane i mean i really thought she was i probably said this a thousand times i really thought she was gonna kill these guys like i i thought that was gonna be the the surprise or whatever is that she was gonna be a killer and then when you find out she's not with a like her first three times she talks to the the three different men that we see yes it, it, it's like, oh, she's just talking to them. But then, because um, we just went and watched it um, for my birthday. We rented out a theater, which was super cheap. Oh, my That's God. That's amazing. And you both absolutely would have been invited if you lived in this time zone. Um, <laughs> I'm honored. But, yeah, we, we rented out a theater. And so it was just uh, seven of us, eight of us. I can't count. It was some of us. And uh, I was sitting there and then Daniel was next to me and Daniel's girlfriend was on the side of him. And when it got to the part with Allison Brie where you yeah. think that she drugged her, Kate, Daniel's girlfriend, her jaw just drops and she looks down the whole line of people at us and she just can't believe that Cassie <laughs> is this evil. <laughs> and Daniel just looks to her and goes, first time. Yeah. <laughs> We don't get that relief, too, until we find out that she didn't actually, like, drop the dean's daughter off in a room full of frat boys. She she put her somewhere safe. And so you don't get that relief until then. <laughs> I, I think that's even more enjoyable for the viewer because, like, we're, we really aren't watching something that's, like, too – I mean, yeah, sure, she's, like, the avenging angel. That seems to be the whole theme. But, like, we're not watching her eviscerate guys and do all these horrible things. You know what I mean? It's, it's As much it's, as we want her to. Well, I mean, not. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would totally love to see that. But this is actually, again, pretty humane. Like, she's going about this in such an intellectual way mm-hmm. and actually, I think, possibly teaching these guys lessons it, it gets versus just done, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to rid you from the earth. Yeah. Which is what this movie could have easily been. I think that her not being a killer is actually better for the movie the movie is better for it it's much more realistic because yeah. how would how would cassie live with herself if totally if that's what it was that she were doing and it just makes you kind of think like i could do that yeah <laughs> oh totally i was gonna ask like have you ever like kn- like known anybody to do anything like this i don't even know anyone who pretends to like go to bars and pretends to be drunk or anything the only thing that i can think is similar is a different a tv show where it's just about the revenge and the the vigilanteism, um, yeah. but even still, like there's not these girls aren't murdering. It's called Sweet Vicious. It was a really good show. Um, Sweet Vicious, okay. Sweet Vicious. It was. It only got one season, um, but the creator of it, I'm very happy for her. She she lost her show, but she's now writing Love and Thunder with Taika Waititi. So I'm really oh, happy shit. for her. Very wow. cool. Yeah. Very but cool. she she wrote a, a whole show about two um, college students who decide to avenge rapes on campus, which is very similar to Promising Young Woman. Yeah. But they beat the shit out of these guys and they take away their um, abilities to just like live on campus, but at, not in fear all the time. And so that's more of like a romanticizing the violence aspect of yeah. it, which I feel I, I get that from horror movies. There's plenty of horror movies where a woman has been 
assaulted or had all her friends murdered and she goes on the revenge path. But Cassie is doing it like seven years later yeah. in an actually realistic way. And I definitely think the only kind of person that could do this is someone who doesn't have a lot of friends looking out for them. And she doesn't. She She's off every night on her own doing that. So that's why I haven't heard of anyone doing that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> unless, like, that makes sense. Unless Kimmy and Kayleen have these alternate lives I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> You guys awesome. are all just like really good actors. I could see you just being like, you guys could like form a group. That would be awesome. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, could each have our own weapon. Uh, <laughs> Kayleen really likes that that line in the movie where Carrie says, there's a woman in this city who carries a pair of scissors. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that'd be Kayleen. I would have a taser. And then Kimmy, Kimmy would have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is too funny. But what about you two? What's what's your relationship to it or how you feel about it and all that stuff? It's really tough. I think my – I want everyone to see it and I want it to, like, make an impact mm. and I want it to get to the right audiences and I want it to get to these frat boys who think that, like, this kind of activity is okay. And I think that's, like, movies like this, that kind of is my biggest – anxiety is that like is this is this actually getting to the right people and like spreading that message and that kind of thing but I still like I am at I love it so much I don't think I didn't see the twist coming and that's one question I wanted to ask you did you ever see that coming when it happened no yeah okay no I uh I saw it for the first time in a drive-in so I thankfully had the luxury of like screaming in my car (laughs) I just couldn't believe what I was seeing yeah yeah um and and Kimmy was in a separate car next to me, and I just remember like looking over to see if I could gauge her reaction, but the windows were all fucked up. Oh, um, no. <laughs> and and it hurt so much. It also really hurt and shocked me when um, after Allison Bree gives her the cell phone and she watches the video on it, and we hear Ryan's voice. That that took me, and it just that hurt a lot to like hear that, and I wasn't expecting it. Definitely. Which I think this movie. Yeah, this movie does a good job of subverting your expectations from the beginning where you think Cassie's one thing and you think it's going to end one way. And then instead, it's very grounded in reality. And women don't get to portray violence in this way because of what will inevitably happen to them. And I think it it does a good job of putting that point across, however harsh it is. Like, it's a hard movie to watch. That's definitely like a, a thing that could knock someone's rating down, I believe. Yeah, I think that like a hard movie to watch is one that challenges you. And that's the kind of filmmaking we need. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. uh, we say, I think in take one that like we feel bad. We need to again, we feel like for the millionth time we need to apologize on behalf of our gender. Like this is a very like it, it sort of makes us um, sort of reexamine ourselves. I mean, we don't go and certainly pick up ladies you know but like but you know what I mean like you want to make sure that you're not doing these kinds of things just because it's it's so awful and you really get a like a good glimpse at people who are so delusional in this film and so deluded to what they've done because society has made it completely okay with for them like Connie Britton's character she's like saying like uh we've got to give him the benefit of the doubt yeah the boys will be boys exactly guys just get away with this kind of stuff but you know this movie could have been like super heavy-handed and i think would have still been able to deliver somewhat of the same message but i don't feel like this movie is very heavy-handed at all again it's it feels very realistic it just tells this story of this woman who is trying to get people to 
not even like apologize, but just to get them to acknowledge what Admitted. they've done yeah. and to like learn from that experience. And both times that I've seen it now, it definitely is hard to watch and it, it does make me like, okay, Nick, you need to like stay on the right path and do, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Not, I don't know, like not that I would ever do anything like that, but like you, you know what I mean. It makes you want to like live right, but it also is just like a enjoyable story. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like is that bad to say that this movie? Like I do enjoy watching this movie. I mean, clearly you do too. But uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> like I, I had. Is it weird to say that like I had fun? Like I understand totally how serious the subject matter is. Yes. Um, but I enjoy it. Like I would, I I laughed a lot. Like I think she's hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful to look at. It's really oh, well yes. shot. Yeah. It's it's got good characters and great casting. I think it's a absolutely a movie that I am going to continue to get that exclamation mark on. Oh, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. So what immediately like attracted me to this movie at the beginning, aside from you know the plot, uh, was seeing Bo Burnham. Did you know who Bo Burnham was like before he oh, yes. started direct? Like he was when he was on YouTube. Yeah, okay. yeah, and and Tumblr and all that stuff, yes. and I remember just like his his little raps and his blue bedroom. I remember all that. <laughs> oh, good, okay, because yeah. I was obsessed with Bo Burnham when I was younger. Like I knew all of those words to all of those songs, <laughs> and what's funny is like I haven't seen Eighth Grade. Oh, and I really want to, and I like I hear that it's really good, and he's a, like a really good director, but I like I really hadn't seen him act in anything. Until then, I think he's a great actor, too. He is. Yeah, he was phenomenal yeah. in this. And just, <laughs> I spent that whole movie falling in love with him. And then you find out that he is just as bad as everyone else. And yeah. that hurt so much. <laughs> How the hell did we not see that coming? It, it seems so, like, obvious in, in retrospect. Like, I'm, I'm so mad at myself that I yeah. didn't see it he, coming. He, but like, it, starts out yeah. by defending those. Oh, they're really good guys. Yeah. And I'm friends with them. It was very, it was very like like clearly in the second one like he's bad. What are you doing? <laughs> I know it sucks from a storytelling perspective. You're like I should have known. Yeah, should have known. Yeah, absolutely. That's but the I, worst plot twist. Is one that you like. Yes. Uh, you beat yourself up for because you should have seen it coming. I mean, like the worst as in aggravating, but the best yeah. Oh, as yeah. in yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, he does not display the characteristics that um. Oh my God, Kayleen's gonna kill me! What's the first guy that uh, what is Adam Brody? Adam Brody, yeah. Jesus. Oh. Okay, we're watching those. See and yeah, like Adam Brody. Like I'm not necessarily gonna listen to you, and like the rapey, like McLovin does as well. He just did not give me that vibe when she watches that video. Like, ugh. It's because it's all about the nice guys and. And all of them believe they're nice guys, but then we got to see him actually being one. Like, he was so respectful for boundaries, so nice to her parents. Exactly. But then at the end of the day, he still doesn't think he did anything wrong in watching and laughing at that happening in front of his eyes. And he's lived with that for seven years, never feeling bad about it, because there was no tape. And it's, oh, oh it hurts. <laughs> it, it, yeah, 100%. And, like, I, she even says to... All I, I don't even remember his name, but he's the guy from The Help, uh, the guy that actually gets handcuffed to the bed. Oh, Al Monroe. Oh, yeah. Ow, yeah. yeah. She's like, sometimes the nice guys are the worst ones, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he sucks. <laughs> yeah, that scene was hard because I really thought it was going to be like a, he's never seen um, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, but have you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> do you know what I yeah. was thinking? You know what I was I thinking? I know, yeah, I know what you're do? thinking. And, you think um, that's what we get? And I mean, and, it was about... 
uh, cuts are kind of like tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it worked out, but I just, I don't know. Part of me kind of wishes she'd have lived, but. I know. But again, this sort of like angel, you get this, this angel. There's all these halos that are appearing. Halos and wings. Yeah. And, yeah I love yeah. that motif. Yeah. And like for her to have not made it through the movie, it kind of makes sense. Like we were kind of having that pointed out to us. I love shit like this. This movie has given us a feast for take three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a wonderful, wonderful decision. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. It's so much. Like a smidge of a taste of it is like a lot of those halos and everything. Um, I I got the, the, there's the portfolio on Focus Features' website of the creative team and the costume designers, the set designers and all that stuff. And like a huge backdrop for it and an inspiration is to make her look like Joan of Arc. Which (gasps) we've got like the angel, but Joan of Arc meets a horrible demise. And so that's where it's. Jeez. Oh my gosh, Joan of Arc is burned alive. It didn't even occur to yeah. me that so is she. Yeah. <laughs> that uh. is crazy. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. I uh man, uh, this is just this movie is is so good. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. I think that like this Oscar season, it's really been hard for me to get into, like not seeing movies in theaters and and I've only seen a couple. I mean, like of of the movies that are coming out, but I Obviously, I've seen this one, and I know that she's up for Best Actress. Do you think that there's a chance, or what are you thinking? I sure hope so. I really, 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 really hope so. And I've decided for this year, like, when we do our predictions and my ballot, I'm just going to pick what I want. Um, gotcha. I know that, like, like Nomadland seems like a shoe-in for Best Picture. I don't care. I'm picking this. <laughs> <laughs> I like Nomadland, but Frances McDormand just seems like she's kind of just playing Frances McDormand. Like, I would just believe that that was how she is. Whereas, I feel like Carrie Mulligan, like, really had an emotional journey to play in such a subdued performance. Yeah. I, oh, God. Yeah, I think that she should totally... This whole episode is going to be me going, ooh, ah, ooh ah. <laughs> I just feel like I keep making those noises. But uh, I really feel like she deserves it. I haven't seen all the actress movies, but I still want her to. Yeah. And then Emerald Fennel, I feel like she's won a lot of the writing awards so far. She has. And I'm like... Nomadland's not in that category. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, hopefully she will will win that at least. Not that I would love know, that. Yeah. A writing Oscar is nothing to to what what is the word scoff at. My headphone fell out. <laughs> We've split headphones because we're in the same room. We like realize that. Do you have your headphones? Can we share? I have mine. Yeah. Okay. So you we're like sitting adorable. here. We're, <laughs> we're sitting here ready to call you, and he has these, and I'm like, yeah. "Oh shit, I'm not gonna be able to hear her." <laughs> they're my brother's for yeah. For those listening, they're my brother's like old broken Beats headphones, so they don't have like we we couldn't share them unless we were touching ear to ear, and I'm not. Well, we've got <laughs> we've got like two. We've got heads. We're we're yeah, both. Yeah. Can, they wouldn't fit on both yeah. of our heads. A silly image. You would stretch stretch them out, definitely. Yeah. But um, I forgot what we were talking. Oh, the Oscars. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I, I feel like Nomad Lane is going to sweep most of it. But um, I really would love for it to at least get a writing Oscar because I know um, Emerald Fennel she got tapped to write the Zatanna movie, which is like DC's Scarlet Witch kind of like she's got those kinds of powers. Oh, and I'm really excited for that because I'm really thinking she could tell like an awesome story that yeah. sort of feels like promising. Why do I always struggle to say this movie's title? I all like, okay, you wrote pretty young thing earlier. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> promising young 
woman. What did I call? I was calling it PYM when we were texting. I don't know. Which is interesting because Promising Young Man is where it gets the title from because that's what uh, Brock Turner was referred to in oh. um, in the statement made to the judge of he is a very promising young man and he definitely oh, doesn't shit. deserve time. Yeah. Is that his name? Brock Turner? It's Turner, right? I think that's right. I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. The Stanford rape case. Corny, thank you for being so smart. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to really sh- shut up during take three because I'll just go on and your episode will be nine hours long. Dude, <laughs> please. Do it. Do. <laughs> do it. Like, that's what we were counting on is having you go off about this. Like, I really am excited to hear all of your, like, more of your thoughts, like, research stuff that you know that you might be saving for take three. I mean, I was telling Jordan, I was like, we need to step our game up because yeah. Cordy's <laughs> going to come to play, man. <laughs> like, especially this movie. Yeah, I'm excited to hear your thoughts as well, though, too, because you, you both have such amazing taste and perspectives and everything. And uh, I'm just happy that well, you- Jordan has amazing taste. <laughs> and I'm happy you both still like it and everything, even after a second watch where you know what's happening. Yeah. Dude, it's I think I liked it better more, this time. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, you just are able to pick up on more things. That's really exciting. All right. Well, I mean, we can move on to take three if you if you want to. Like, Woo! do you have anything else to say with your from your reaction standpoint? I mean, oh right, because I just watched it. Um, <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear like what your what were your immediate thoughts like as soon as it ended this time when you watched it? Did you have anything? Uh, you had to pee. <laughs> that, that wasn't on the forefront, but I think it was like, it was just as satisfying, if not more than watching it the first time. Totally. I kind of like forgot a little bit how it ended, but it's sort of that like, she's gone, but she still was able to get the job done. And that's like Absolutely. so relieving. And so it was, it was incredible. She left a hell of an impression. Yeah. And uh, I will say that the my first thoughts were, just call me Angel. <laughs> like, oh my God, I was singing that song walking around. Uh, and it is stuck in both of our heads now, thankfully, because yeah. I like it when I can sing a song and get it stuck in his head. That makes me happy. <laughs> Speaking of, I forgot how amazing the soundtrack was. There were several oh. points where I was like, I forgot this is in this. Yes. This works so well. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Like, the opening is the, the I was busy. That's great. Oh, but, that's so good. We were all singing and dancing to that one in the theater, but then also after the Adam Brody scene, we all just went, hi, we're your weather girls. <laughs> we were just singing it. It's raining men. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yeah. That is too funny. Okay. So Jordan didn't know uh, who sang When Two Become One, the, the Spice Girls song in the car when they're oh. in the Uber. Oh, I, you- I, I didn't notice that at all. What? <laughs> you might be the only person. I can out Spice Girl anyone on this planet. Apparently. I I didn't even hear music in the Uber. That's so funny. Yeah, when uh, Adam Brody, like, she's about to throw up and you see her head, like, sticking out the window. It's probably because I'm, yeah, I'm laughing so hard over that scene that I just don't hear anything else. Because her, when she's, like, blowing air out the window and she's giggling, she's like, I'm not going to throw up. (laughs) So good. So good. See, it was small things like that that make... It made me wish that I almost like hadn't known what it was about beforehand because I feel because at that point when it happened, like I knew that she was faking it, but it's still like 
<laughs> her actions definitely surprised it's, me. Yeah, so. it's fun to like watch somebody yeah. fake it. Okay, <laughs> but I think maybe my favorite part of the movie, and this is so stupid, but I say stupid things all the time. My favorite part of the movie is at the end when um, he's getting the text messages and in the Just Call Me Angel song that... Yeah. That part of the song comes up right when the the, um, the little dot dot, the ellipsis comes up. I probably Chills. didn't describe that uh, well, but <laughs> it's so good. It builds good. the tension. It gets yes. the people going. And then um, obviously the toxic violin. Oh my with her God. The best. Yeah. Oh my, Absolutely best. Oh my no God. Words. We heard the person above Jordan <laughs> having sex earlier. <laughs> Oh like I'm not kidding because we can hear him walking around. All right, it's nighttime where you are. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, I feel like it was like eight o'clock or something. But he was like, ear, ear, ear. Stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he loves to walk around and be loud. It's really funny. But I just, it just made me think of it because he's walking. Yeah, you around can now. probably hear it. But um. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> was it when you were recording take one? Luckily, no. No. Yeah, we were watching the movie. We paused the movie, though. It was really funny. Well, yeah, I'm so glad you love it. I love it. This is going to be a time. Yes. Oh, we're going to have so much fun. This Can't is going to be awesome. I guess we can go to take three. Does everybody want to go to take three? Everybody put your hands in and be like, okay, let's go to take three. <laughs> we're going on a trip to our favorite take three. <laughs> I just try to do stuff to piss Jordan off. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for appeasing him. I I can join in. (laughs) Take three. Jesus. (laughs) So that's what I'm used to. That's why I was like kind of caught off guard when you went. (laughs) Sorry, I don't have man hands. Gosh. (laughs) All right, that was really intense, Jordan. (laughs) Sorry, I should have should have warned you. No shade to your hands. I'm really impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, and you'll hear this in in take one. We always talk about my claps and how even those are not good enough. So No, that was the most impressive clap I've ever heard. No, he's super proud of his claps. I'm trying to, like, shrink his head a little bit. (laughs) Hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to We Explain Movies. Take three. (laughs) So actually, you've not changed podcasts. This is take three, and Courtney is still here with us, and we all did research, and we're going to talk about it. I'm very excited. As am I. (laughs) I was surprised that there was actually a good deal of stuff about this movie. We've run into this before with doing like really kind of recent movies that there's not as Mm -hmm. much... Maybe because this is an Oscar movie. Maybe it's just because it's really deep and operates on a bunch of different levels. Not that my stuff delves into any of that, but I I was surprised at how many analysis of we, uh, not we explain movies, analysis of (laughs) uh, Promising Young Woman that I was able to stumble upon, you know? Like even if you YouTube it, there's a lot, yeah. It makes me want to, I, I have like so many videos planned for this. <laughs> I want to start a YouTube channel so I can analyze and discuss this movie. <laughs> oh my God, do it and then do it for more movies so that we can use your videos as research and <laughs> references for our episodes. I would love that. <laughs> that yes. would be so amazing. <laughs> it's just going to be movies only I like. <laughs> that is completely Yo. fine. <laughs> that works. This, this podcast is essentially movies only we like. Yeah, truly. <laughs>
Yeah, but you also <laughs> you you stole like all my big ones already. So I'm glad that we can get this one into the mix because you already honored me and gave me life with a Titanic Gone Girl arrival. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like the fact that you enjoyed those episodes makes me feel so <laughs> like oh we're doing a good job because <laughs> yes you did a very good job just knowing you and how smart you are like i'm like okay we impressed Courtney. that's good it is validating thank you oh and i was i was really impressed by your wizard of oz episode even though you shat all over a movie i love <laughs> <laughs> can i okay but no it wanna... was everything you said was so fair i was like oh shit <laughs> I'm yeah. the problem. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think, and even thinking back to it, because what did we do before that, that I was like, I'm canceling this too. Oh, it was Fifty Shades. I'm like, oh, yeah. all of a sudden, like, oh, I don't want to support this stuff. I don't want to support this. And I'm realizing that the people, like the directors and the people responsible for all of that stuff that happened with Wizard of Oz was like, they're probably dead now. We, we talked by, about that. Yeah, they're all dead. Yeah. yeah. By, by renting that movie, I'm probably not adding to the problem. So like, Enjoy it if you want to. I still do. I still love Judy Garland and her performance and everything. So I think I was a little bit aggressive, but... Oh, it wasn't um, at all. I was just very informed and I liked it. Because I, I like watched <laughs> that movie, Judy, and yeah. I know how horrible things were at that time. But it was just like, there were some good reminders in there. Yeah. And then you went all out with your research. <laughs> <laughs> so, one, uh, I was aggressive. If that's one thing that Jordan is, it's super aggressive. The most aggressive <laughs> oh person God. I know. Uh, and two, I had never seen Judy, and I kind of forgot it existed, but now I really actually want to see it. Oh, it's not good. Okay, never mind. It's not good. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> Scratch that. Yeah, but it, it does really delve into what it was like for teenage version of Judy and what they did to her, and it was fucked up. Yeah, that is really fucked up. I'm going to take control because it's all kind of related. I'm going to tell, like, a short story because it's been on my mind since, like, yesterday. But uh, I have, like, this weird fascination with like nonfiction horror specifically like sci-fi nonfiction horror and I went on a trip this week and you know as you do on trips you like to listen to podcasts and audiobooks and such and I had already read all of Richard Preston's stuff and he like he did a bunch of books about like Ebola and anthrax and stuff which is like these horrifying stories but I think they're super fascinating but I didn't get to scratch that itch like I wanted to. So when I got home uh, after work today, I was like, man, I really still want that like that horror, that nonfiction horror itch. So I watched fucking Chernobyl. <laughs> I watched oh, the first like nice. <laughs> yeah, one or two episodes of Chernobyl. And like it is just a constant reminder of how terrible like like everything leading up to this moment the past like two weeks has been like men suck. Men are terrible. Why do we so often deny science and proof? Why are we so aggressive about not being wrong? Heaven forbid we admit we're wrong once. This, mm -hmm. this whole like self-preservation culture and I'm getting news headlines about Rudy Giuliani's investigation and how now Trump's scared of what people are going to find about him. And like, it is so overwhelming and like embarrassing is a word for it, but I don't think it's the word for it. And I think the word for it is terrifying. And it's like this Ooh. whole discussion about that. We didn't take two about having to like apologize for our gender. It's it like the feelings have been strong this week <laughs> and it's just like, and it all ties into this movie and the things that I found out and the themes that I found out about this movie. It's just, it's horrifying. And truly I am sorry <laughs> on behalf of our gender. <laughs> It's awful. It's really scary. Like, no wonder you guys are exhausted. It's it's like, 
it's shit. We're shit. And I'm sorry. So something that I, I agree with you, <laughs> but <laughs> not <in> how. <laughs> no, I agree with your sentiments leading into it, but you are not shit and you've done me no wrongs. So, but what I would say is that this movie provides comfort to me as just a woman and as someone who has had similar experiences to this movie and just seeing it represented on film in a way of like, it's for everyone to watch and it's hopefully going to comfort some. I know it's made a lot of people upset, but it also just needs to be there in front of men to be like, some of you do this. Most yeah. of you do this. Yeah. <laughs> Fix it. <laughs> and so I, I definitely really appreciate just the story for what it is and how honest and true it, it everything in it is. Every woman has experienced some element of what Cassie has. Yeah, that's a really great point. And men too. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> It's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But ugh. the the phrase uh, I just said it, uh, self preservation. Yeah, self preservation about like, oh, I couldn't possibly have done anything wrong. Like that's a huge thing that kept coming up in this. Is like, like, oh, they're such good guys. Like, oh, how could he's so handsome and he's so nice? How could he possibly be this monster? And it's it's yeah, and they're it's all nice bent. sitcom guys, but that is. The truth. Um, I don't, I'm sure you came across this in your research as well, but it was something that in the days before this really had any IMDb trivia or anything, it was like on my third watch, I really noticed it is that the film never says the words rape or sexual assault ever. Oh, and wow. it's because of, it's because of that self-preservation of like these men aren't willing to admit it. And it all comes to a head in the scene with Al Monroe, where she says, but what did you do? And he won't say it. And he just keeps saying, but I didn't do anything wrong. And he will not say the word rape, even though it's right there. Jeez. I didn't, I don't, I did not notice that. I, I, this movie <laughs> is actually really well written. And it won that screenplay Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> it sure did. Well deserved. Deservedly so. All right. So do you guys want to get started? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, but we're keeping all of that, right? What do you? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. We have already started. Yes. Okay. okay. Clap. <laughs> but let's let's get into that. Let's get. <laughs> let's. Yeah. Let's transition into some of that research. I want to hear what y'all found. Excellent. So, for those of you who have ever listened to an episode of ours, uh, you know that I typically start off with the box office, and honestly, I have no idea if it's broken, so I'm not going to fix it. Well, okay, okay. Hold on. Let me tell you a story really quick. So I texted both Jordan and Courtney, and I was like, I'm trying to think of research I can do that's not going to be identical to what you both are saying. And Courtney responded, box office is all yours, haha, and editing, since you're an editor. I was like, <laughs> I laughed my ass off, but I can do it. So here we go. This movie actually opened in about 1,300 theaters on Christmas Day of 2020. And I had no idea. That, that's This is a really great Christmas movie. Uh, opening, weekend, <laughs> opening weekend was about $719,000, which only averages to about $549 per screen. But wow. it's a smaller movie with a pretty hard-hitting story opening during a pandemic on Christmas. So <laughs> I get it. Now, normally I would be able to put a definitive number to its overall gross. However, not only is this movie still in theaters, it did just win the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, like Courtney said. Uh, I don't know what kind of boost that that might give it, if any, but as of this moment, the domestic and international grosses are almost equal at about 6.5 million domestic and 6.9 million international. 
So worldwide, we are at $13.3 million on a reported $5 to $10 million budget. Ooh. Very nice. Okay, so this means of all movie releases, this domestic box office ranks 5,862nd. Ever? Yes. The international (laughs) box office ranks 5,117th. That's really similar. Yeah. And the worldwide ranking is 6,209th, just in case you were curious. <laughs> Y'all gave me box office. I was like, I'm, I'm going to come up with some more things to talk about. And I'm, I'm hoping that they're accounting for all the Amazon purchases as well. Exactly. Because I spent a lot. <laughs> I was going to say, how many of those were yours, Courtney? <laughs> we're, we're coming up on that. And that's not even <laughs> counting the money it's made on streaming services since it premiered on like January 15th. <laughs> what? And that's not even. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Your little warlock over there. Uh, <laughs> I had so much more to say, but I, <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm just teasing. And that's not even counting the money that it's made on streaming services since it premiered on January 15th. It's actually next to impossible to find out all of those numbers as of now since some streaming services are less transparent than others. Ooh. But uh, so I can wager that this movie at least broke even, not to mention earning a slew of nominations and awards, including five Oscar nominations. Best Picture, which it lost to Nomadland. Best Leading Actress, which it lost to Nomadland. Best Director, (laughs) which it lost to Nomadland. (laughs) (laughs) And Best Editing, which it lost to... Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal, yeah. (laughs) It's like, you watched it, we did not. Can I ask a quick sidebar? I know both of you have seen Nomadland. Was it well-deserved, all of these wins? Some of them. It was a cool experiment to have yeah. actors that weren't really actors, like people that seem like they actually did this kind of thing. And it was a it was a powerful story. Yeah, I just feel like it's the same way that a lot of Oscar winners are. It's forgettable and it's not like it's anyone's favorite movie. Like nobody's rushing out to buy a DVD of Green Book or The King's Speech. <laughs> and <laughs> it was just for the time, that's what people thought was the best. And I think, Chloe Zhao's win was very well-deserved. I do not think Francis's was. Carrie should have won that. Oh, well. (laughs) So with the Oscars, there's a lot of things to consider. Like political campaigns are run. You know, you you have to go and you do screeners and and have people and show people the movies. That's why used to be... I'll bleep his yep. name out. He used to be so <laughs> he used to be so good at that. He would be able to get Oscar nominations. He invented because, that. Yeah, he would go to like the the senior homes. A bunch of the academy is old people. Yeah, and he would go there and have screenings there, and it was a big deal. And then there's also the time it was released. Now mm-hmm. there are movies that might have been better, but they were released much longer ago. Whereas Nomadland, you know, like popped up, it felt like early this year, it benefited from the extended Oscar window. You know, it would have, I think it would have qualified for next year if it, is that right? I think it would have. 
I'm pretty sure we're Possibly. not. We're not doing uh, Nomadland, <laughs> but I think Nomadland <laughs> would have qualified for next year if not for that extended Oscar window. And I mean, I, I can't complain too because Promising Young Woman was supposed to come out in April of 2020, and I feel like it wouldn't have gotten any attention for the Oscars had the Oscars happened at the normal February 2021. That would have exactly. been so far away. I mean, something like Get Out had the power to sustain itself till then, but I don't know that this would have. So I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people were wondering why uh, Chadwick Boseman was put up for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom instead of The Five Bloods. But The Five Bloods came out last summer. Even though he was a supporting, which is objectively an easier Oscar to win, Yeah. unfortunately, it's just not normally as competitive they put him up for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom because it was more recent and more in people's awareness because of other people that had gotten nominated for that movie. And they really made it seem like he was going to win. And then well, they didn't. <laughs> here's the thing. the With with that whole, whole situation, the producers don't know who wins the Oscars. Only the accountants know. So yeah. the producers thought, understandably so that he was going to win this after having won all these other awards. So the producers were like, okay, well, let's end this on Chadwick winning a posthumous Oscar. And They they, need to fix their shit. Exactly. The accountants (laughs) should have come up to them and been like, hey, girl, don't do that. That's twice they fucked up in the past 10 years. Totally. That's too many times. They really need to adjust how they do the Oscars. Certainly this year, but. Yeah. Anyway, so at least it won one out of five. Yeah. I think five nominations is great, especially when, you know, it's her first feature film. Emerald Fennel, who this has propelled to new heights, mm-hmm. this is the first movie that she ever made. And she got hired to write the new Zatanna movie, which as an avid fan of the DC Universe, you know, I know that there's a decent possibility that that will never get made. But it's still exciting. (laughs) Yeah, that is. And especially if you know how cool the character of Zatanna is. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Zatanna. (laughs) Oh, my God. Fuck (laughs) y'all. Okay. So, like, she's got these witchy powers like Wanda from Marvel, but she can also teleport and jump dimensions. But my favorite part about her is that she's a magician, just like her dad. Like a stage, like illusionist yes. magician. Like, oh, okay. Yes, that sounds cheating. I'd be pissed if I was like Penn and Teller or something. Yeah, that is cheating. That's like when Wanda did a magic act and yeah, I think you. she's. I think she's like a master <laughs> magician and also like can can manipulate magic. I think she's also a good magician as well. Have they cast her yet? No. Okay, so there's still time for me. No, I don't think they have a director or anything. Yes, go do it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, and I just feel like there's so much that you can do with that, especially because this character is not extremely well-known or defined in the eyes of a large audience, despite being 57 years old. Well, she's a woman, so. (laughs) (laughs) But like like I said in... I don't know. I don't know if it was take two or I might have cut it out or whatever. But uh, basically, I just think that this is a a really interesting character that I would love to see go to Emerald Fennel. Yeah. You know what I mean? She did such a great job with this movie and telling a story about this this woman who is just I mean, (laughs) she's just incredible, like all around. I just fucking love her. 
And she ran the second season of Killing Eve, which is all about an assassin and the MI6 agent yes. who is tracking her. And then they fall in love. That's so, <laughs> so dope. She's got a lot up her sleeve. Oh, and what she was on, is it Downton Abbey? What is it on? What is the... The Crown. No, The Crown. It's one of those British shows I don't watch. Yes. Anyway, I, I will stop and let you guys talk, but I just want to say that this movie's RT score is 90% and the audience score is 88%. So that's pretty dope. No, it's 100. <laughs> yes. <laughs> RT score is 150 and the audience <laughs> score is 2 million. It's right up there. Above Citizen Kane and below Paddington 2. Damn. <laughs> oh, did you hear about I, I mean, obviously, yeah. you heard about that. That is nuts. Is That's Paddington amazing. 2 that great? I've never even seen Paddington 1. I like it. <laughs> I hear it, like, people who watch it are surprised that they're, like, sobbing by the end of it. And it, it makes yeah. me so curious about it. I want to watch it's it. It's very, so very cute. Uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and now I feel like I have to watch it. Let's do that next week. You should. Let's do it. I think we have some other things we have to do. Do a quick take of Citizen Kane slash Paddington 2. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great idea, though. We probably are going to steal yeah. that. I'm going to tell you why we can't do that next week. So when we were doing our game night the other night, when you guys invited us to your Oscar party virtually, which was yes. so much fun. Um, Definitely. I was like also editing these pictures from... Uh, Jordan's birthday. The I night cannot before. believe you're about to bring this up. Oh, yeah. well, I, I, I cannot just, believe. I'm just you're gonna about say there was an embarrassing picture that I was going oh to share my with God. y'all, and I was like, Jordan, don't freak out that I'm sharing it with them. I'm gonna post this on Instagram, and he was like, Don't do it. And I was like, Okay, well then you're gonna have to do something for me. And I never called him on it until today. I was driving and I pulled over to text you this. I was like, I thought of what I want you to do. I want you to watch Fifty Shades 2 and 3 with me and do an episode. (laughs) Even though he swore it off in our episode, he's going to do a follow-up. That means we will have three Fifty Shades episodes on our channel. Nick, this is straight up blackmail. (laughs) It's really like... A, this isn't fair. Yeah, he, he said, that's not fair. And I was like, life's not fair. <laughs> and now that you've brought up that photo, everyone's going to want to see it. So it's like, I just, I, it's a lose-lose for me. I cannot I, believe that I you promise that to up. not look at it. I will Thank block you. Nick on all social media. I have your phone number. Uh. <laughs> I don't even remember what photo it is at this point. And I also, I also have social media with like several of your best friends. I have all their phone numbers. Oh I can, uh, <laughs> I can get you to see this picture, Courtney. I'm gonna report you for cyberbullying. Yes, yeah, cyberbullying. Yeah. Hey, Daniel will do it for me. Yeah. Daniel loves to cyberbully. Yeah, Daniel's a big cyberbully. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He loves that. Okay, somebody else talk because I I have editing left and uh, that's going to embarrass you guys with how good it is. So I'll start with things that I personally noticed and was like, ooh, pat pat, good job me (laughs) (laughs) from all my excessive watches. So like I said, the words rape and assault are never said. They're just danced around or there's euphemisms like what happened. But in addition to different, like, language choices, the first line of the movie is three men all agreeing and saying, fuck her. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Like, it's all there. (laughs) It just tells you everything. Nobody cares. 
this is what every man is like. (laughs) (laughs) In the coffee shop, when Cassie is about to meet Ryan for the first time, she is reading this pink paperback book with a super cute cover. And I wish this book were real, but it's called Careful How You Go. And the reason it's called that is because that was what Emerald Fennel's first short film was called. And it starred Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. Oh my god. I love her. (laughs) And I've tried so hard to find it on the internet and it's nowhere to be found. And I'm sad. (laughs) (laughs) But something cute that I really liked is that the production designer was the one who did that for Emerald. Like they came up with the idea like to honor her because in the script... She had that Cassie was reading the book Deep Water by Patricia Highsmith. And that's one of my favorite authors. She did like Talented Mr. Ripley, Price of Salt, which became Carol. And Deep Water. Yeah, she's she's done a lot. Um, What's another big one? Strangers on a Train. Deep Water is being made into a movie with Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas. What? I don't know that second person. Uh, Knives Out. Like the the female lead in there? Yeah. I love her. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. It's a good it's a good um, book about a, a woman who cheats on her husband all the time and he starts killing her lover. Oh my God. Oh my God. I've heard about this. I didn't remember yeah. about it, the title, but I, I heard, I don't know, maybe it was just one of the people that I watch on YouTube talking about that and they kind of described what it was. Okay. That's mm-hmm. so exciting. Yeah. I forgot about this movie. I don't know what time period they're setting it in but it's like a fun like 50s like ah oh, you've cuckolded me and <laughs> now i'm gonna drown your lover <laughs> that's awesome it's good okay so i think those are the things that i noticed along with you, do you know that scene where cassie's parents are watching a black and white movie and like all the lines in the movie are about how god doesn't like all these womanly things but he's okay with murder that's really cool and it's from this movie called night of the hunter which i now want to watch and later, when that really creepy song plays after she watches the video, that is from Night of the Hunter. And so, facts. Oh, cool. Knowledge. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Look at you noticing all this stuff. <laughs> it, ten times. <laughs> <laughs> Exclamation point times. <laughs> and the only other things are one that I'll talk about later if you want, because I have a question for you boys that'll come up. But... Uh, In the script, there's references to Cassie being bruised often, kind of after her encounters with these men, like indicating that some of them do go wrong and she gets hurt by them. And then the big difference at the end of the movie is that rather than the police showing up, everyone at the wedding, their phones start pinging and they all got sent the video. Ooh, gotcha. I was sort of thinking that was going to happen. I remember thinking like... right. Like, oh, they're all going to get the video. How would you have felt differently if that was the end of the movie instead of what actually happened? I think if that had happened, it would really just be about society shunning Al Monroe and his friends and that whole cohort, which is fine because I don't think that much is going to even come from his arrest. He has money. He has a reputation. Hopefully, uh, Jordan, Alfred Molina's character, being sent that tape and being the high-powered lawyer he is, that would really do something. But, I mean, it is kind of like, oh, cops? Cops are going to do something? Okay, at the end. Yeah, that was some of the criticism that I saw about this movie was that, like, it was kind of like, oh, but... Like, nothing's going to happen. Like, if we know anything, we know that nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to come from this. But at the very least, his wedding is ruined. 
Yeah, yeah. People are gonna know what he did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that it's now gonna be like admissible as evidence that video, everyone yeah. will see it. He is going to become a pariah. He's going to lose his job. If that's all we are gonna get from it, like he is going to see what he did wrong finally. And so yeah. I'm I'm content with the ending because in the original, original, like not even in her script, Emerald decided that's it, Cassie dies, the end, and we get to see Al having a happy, nice wedding. And that's oh, fucked. Oh, <laughs> and thankfully wow. she changed it. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if this would still be my favorite movie if that had happened. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, speaking of realism, I would say that them getting kind of what they deserve at the end is the least realistic part. So I feel like her yeah. just dying and everything continuing on as normal, I would not be surprised at all. But yeah, I can see that not testing well in front of test audiences. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely. So I'm happy. Yeah, me too. One quick interesting note about the end uh once he does put the pillow over her head her face is not shown for the rest of the movie Which and i think sucks. that's an interesting yeah it's an interesting shift though because this whole time we're following her and her experiences and then suddenly it's not her anymore until like the yeah. very very end yeah uh, i just thought that i found that in one video that i saw i thought that was interesting i love that okay yep I just want something just popped into my head and I feel like I should talk about it. Uh, have you guys ever seen, I know you have Jordan, but have you ever seen Courtney, the black mirror? Have you, have you ever seen black mirror? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's an episode called shut up and dance. Oh God. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Of course. Yeah. Okay. It just haunts me and it's so, so, so I don't want to like say what's going on, but at the end, yeah. a lot of people get text messages with this face. And for some reason, I tied those two memories together and was expecting Ooh. that face to come up <laughs> during this oh movie. And I, then I was like quickly like, oh, shit, I shouldn't I shouldn't say I that can't. in take two. And then I forgot about it. I can't tell it. you how happy I am it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I forgot about it until just now. So I like that, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that that face is. I don't even know what. I'm like, I, I don't even know what that face is called. He has a name. I bet if I yelled to Daniel right now, he would come bursting in and tell me what it is. You can do it. Do it. Do it. Okay, do but it. like it's gonna make the the microphone go crazy. Daniel, come here. <laughs> <laughs> or as soon as he walks in, I'm gonna be like, oh, it's called. Yeah. Oh, oh I know what it is. I want to see if he knows. It's the, okay. I think it's you mad, bro. Is that what it is? Oh, I have no the fucking clue. ugly white face memes. You remember those where the guy's like this and it was in. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it was in shut up and dance at the end. Oh, the troll face. Oh, it's called troll face. Yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> I thought it was I called. You... <laughs> Daniel's doing it now too. We're both... <laughs> you might face. be right too, okay. Courtney. I thought it was you mad, bro. Can you tell Daniel we said hi? They're often together. Yeah. It's I the same one. Mad bro is it oh, they say hi. Good job. Hello. I told you. I told them that you would know. Troll face. <laughs> but it's also you mad, bro. I think cool. it's synonymous. Oh. Cool. Did we Daniel say right. hi back yep. to us? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I just want <laughs> to make sure. Because it sounded like you said that and then he just left. <laughs> I was like. <gasps> oh, no, he said it. <laughs> he was in the doorway. <laughs> 
I probably interrupted him doing something. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> this is important. This is important. Thank you, Daniel. Jordan, what else did you find that you want to share? I want to pass the baton to you. Let's see. Um, speaking of the beginning, uh, something that a video brought up that I researched uh, talked about the trope of like bubblegum pop music song played over slow motion women Ooh. dancing in a club kind of trope and how that's used at the beginning but with men instead and they're all wearing like their work shirts and they're like half untucked and they're all like <laughs> beer guts and stuff yeah. <laughs> and it kind of highlights how silly and ridiculous that kind of is I thought that was cool that is uh cool. let's see the song that plays at the end where the two men are burning Cassie's body. Yeah. It's a song from the musical The King. And I. And I. Yeah, yeah, oh, yes, it's in my notes. The King and I. Sorry, I didn't finish that sentence. Uh, and, like, do you do you have this research as well? Do you want to? No, I don't. I don't have it written down. I just listened to um, something where they brought it up. A podcast, but you tell it. Yeah, but basically the song, uh, it's sung by the king's wife, and uh, the whole song is about her pardoning his bad behavior because sometimes he's a good person. If you have some free time, look it up because the song's kind of ridiculous, especially like in this context. Uh, it's really fucking dumb. Uh, and then <laughs> another really interesting thing, I'm sure you had this as well, so if you have anything extra, feel free to chime in. The origin of Cassie's name mm -hmm. and, you know, coming from Cassandra... Uh, I believe Emerald claimed that it was named after the priestess Cassandra in Greek mythology, who, according to Wikipedia, was known, or I guess according to anything you read, I guess, I just got this from Wikipedia, but uh, she was known to uh, to utter true prophecies, but the, her curse was that she was never believed by anyone. Uh, so I thought that was very fitting. That is. That's awesome. Many versions of the myth relate that she incurred the god's wrath by refusing him sex after promising herself to him in exchange for power of prophecy. Good for her. <laughs> so she was a promising young woman. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> she had served as a priestess of Apollo and taken a sacred vow of chastity to remain a virgin for life. Her cursed gift from Apollo became an endless pain and frustration to her. She was seen as a liar and a madwoman by her family and by the Trojan people. I think there was this whole story about how she knew about the Trojan horse and everything and just yeah. no one believed her. And um, so that was very fitting and very awesome on Emerald's part, I believe. So awesome. Like, that was really cool. I love wow. shit like that. I do too. I had a film teacher, a film appreciation teacher that used to be able to just spit shit like that out about every movie we watched. Granted, he wrote the <laughs> syllabus, but he would be able to just sit there and he would pause it and be like, this means that. And I'll tell you why. And it was just mind blowing. And I love that. Yeah, shit. I this love is, it. I mean, that's kind of like what we do, but with words written on pieces of paper or on, I have my uh, Microsoft Word open. And I'm reading my stuff. <laughs> I use notes. But you know Which what I mean? is great. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun to think of yourself as, to fancy yourself an expert. And yeah. <laughs> to, to just be able to pull stuff out. And it's about what you're passionate about. So if you made your own syllabus, I'm sure you could talk endlessly. Totally. The same way. Totally. I would teach, I would teach Karate 2 after you get done with Karate 1. And then you could come back <laughs> around for Karate 3. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think she's listening. Have you? No, I haven't sent it to her yet. I was just going to send her all three so she can okay. approve it. But in take one, we tell everybody that you're a karate teacher. Oh, 
Oh, right. Yeah, you told yeah. me that. We told you that in <laughs> oh, take two. So we've referenced this oh, several God. times. Comedy <laughs> comes in threes, and uh, good <laughs> themes are cyclical. So so I guess I have to learn karate. <laughs> yes. And impart my knowledge to the children. Yes, I do. Oh, well, you already know karate. You can teach me karate because I have to teach uh, karate too tomorrow morning. So I also know Krav Maga and jiu-jitsu i'm not sure you're lying she's got way too <laughs> courtney has lived like 30 lives and i think she's younger than i am so <laughs> i'm not i'm older than you really yeah by like two or three months three months i just remember one time we were sitting i think it was probably like after uh oh it was our game day when jordan had to go to work yeah, and day. kimmy had to leave so it was me you and kayleen just sitting there and you guys were just telling me stories and we were going back and forth and stuff. And I was like, wait, are you like 75 years old? Like, you've just done a whole bunch of stuff. I would not put it past you to know karate. I should learn. I just like changing it up. <laughs> so what are, like, what specific subjects do you teach? Is it, is it everything? Like, no, it's English. English. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then I, I taught theater for the past five years as well as English, but now I'm just English. And next year, I actually get to teach a film class. Oh, shit. How fun. Cool. So yeah. what, what grade? Eighth graders. Oh, my God. That's that's so awesome. I'm very excited. And I've, like, made my syllabus and stuff. And the movies have to be appropriate. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, so that, that's limiting. But, I mean, there's so many good movies that I can do still or that I can uh, get permission for parents to let them watch. So I've got, I'll send you all my syllabus. <laughs> I was do. legit going to say, is this so weird to ask for that syllabus? Cause no, no. <laughs> I would love to see that. No, not at all. But um, yeah, you, you'll have seen probably all of the movies on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So like eighth graders, I mean, I feel like that was when I, we would go to the movie rental store and get movies like by the handful and watch them <laughs> constantly. My sister and my cousins and stuff. And and even it, it turned into my friends would come over. That's when I started having friends over to watch. So I feel like that was right around the time that I really fell in love with movies rather than like, oh, I just want to be a director when I walked around when I was 10 years old with a video camera. Oh. Like, that was when I really fell in love with movies. So that's such a perfect time to get them. <laughs> Perfect. I hope I get students like that. Yeah. And yeah, they, they'll get to like make stuff too. Um, and if you boys remember anything you know you loved at that age, send it to me. <laughs> you don't want to know. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> recant that offer. <laughs> Was it without a paddle, Jordan? <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say that. I guess I shouldn't say, hey, what pubescent films did you love? <laughs> I think like my appreciation for film really started probably like around the time that I met you, Nick, was like when I had someone to like bounce it off of and teach me things. So my I was not born a film lover. I think I kind of grew into it. So, uh, yeah, I was not what you would call a, a film buff at, at eighth grade. So you didn't have a film teacher, especially like Courtney. You're absolutely right. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Speaking of like class and stuff, do you want to share some of your some of your editing stuff with us? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Brace yourself. This is long. This film was uh, edited by a man named. Okay, so his name is spelled like Frederick, uh, without the K, but it has those little swoopy lines over both of the E's. <laughs> I don't know what that's called. 
So Frederic, yeah, the maybe. Tilda? Huh? I don't know. It's what did I you said say? A tilda, the little the things over the e's. I thought you said Matilda. I was like, well, what does she have to do with this? Okay. <laughs> Frederic. That's how you pronounce Frederic. Thoraval. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, who is French? And honestly, kind of cute in like a college professor kind of way. Nice. So some of the other movies he edited were Peppermint, which is interestingly like another. Oh, you liked that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> like another revenge film, but it's not yeah. at all realistic at all. Did you not like that movie, Courtney? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I okay. liked Nick's review, though. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. You said that as if, like, oh, you liked it. Okay. It was like... No, no. It was like, I'm a big homo, but this movie, like, aroused me or something like that. Like, I felt some sort of way. Like, yeah. It was very aroused. Uh, so he also edited the horror movie Sinister, which has some beautiful editing. Oh, like, I want to watch that one. Oh, it's so good. That movie gives me goosebumps. It's like found footage, isn't it? it. Uh, no. Okay, so it's about found footage, but it's shot with like a regular camera. Okay. Like it's not found footage, but it is about someone who finds footage. So that's it's weird to like <laughs> to yeah. to not call it a found footage movie. Um, and the last cool one that I could find that he edited was Taken, which I remember loving, but I'm afraid to watch again because it might be bad. That's okay. It probably does not hold up um, because friggin' Maggie Grace was like 35 years old and pretending she couldn't drive a car and not 15, <laughs> Dad. <laughs> but um, something that I found in um, just researching Promising Young Woman is that a lot of critiques and like reviews and articles had just little touches of misogyny in them where they questioned Cassie's moral character and they were like, She's going on this big revenge quest, but at the end of the day, is she a moral character herself? And then I saw someone else, like, clap back at that and say, well, do we ask that about Liam Neeson and Taken? Do we ask that about, like, any of these male-driven revenge stories? And no, we don't. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, Liam Neeson, I'm sure he's killed many, many people before killing all of those people (laughs) that he kills in Taken. And Cassie kills none. And gets killed. And gets so, killed, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Anyways, those are some he, interesting action-y movies he came from. Well, you know, it's interesting, and I'll come back to that in just a minute, because he's done a bunch of different kinds of movies, which is, I, I just only know of the action-y ones, because uh, those are, oh, okay. I, don't, I don't watch <laughs> the other <laughs> kinds of movies. But um, anyway, he, uh, when he got the script uh, for PYW, he said he couldn't put it down. And he had to read it all at once. So, like, apparently with the script, this is so cool. Okay. So, Emerald also sent a very detailed mood board with references and photos Ooh. of what she wanted the film to, like, look and feel like. And that's pretty common for a director to have. But I like that the editor actually got it, especially when he got the script. Like, that yeah. doesn't happen. Also, something else that really doesn't normally happen, she had a playlist of music she wanted for the film <laughs> already set, and she gave him that as well. So, like, she was really able to give him a full idea of the film. And as speaking as an editor, um, like, that's super great to have and something that someday I would love to have. So and basically, that's never happened to me, and I really wish it would. Um, <laughs> Which is interesting because it's your vision director. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And she nailed it. She had a vision. It's working with different kinds of directors because I've worked with directors who are very hands-on, give me precise notes, specifically cut here, 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 here. And I've also worked with directors who are like, I want you to take this footage and mold it. Like you can oh, be the person okay. who who writes the movie, you know? And uh, both of those things, I was equally challenged and interested in doing both of the, you know what I mean? Like yeah. while you're yeah. doing it, it's sort of like a pain in the ass for the person to be up your butt. And it's a pain in the ass for the person to uh, leave you out to see, to have just given you all this footage. Yeah. Like dumped all this shit on you. And yeah. But in retrospect, they're both really cool editing challenges and they're, they both can produce um, unique products. And I really think that this kind of movie needed a very precise vision. Like Emerald clearly knew what she wanted and I like that she directed it as well. Like she very clearly had an end game and knew mm-hmm. how to get there. And which is bizarre for someone who's never done this before. I mean, I know that she's worked in the medium before and a lot of times actors are able to transfer over to directors more easily than some other uh positions in filmmaking but she did it so damn well you know for a debut yeah especially I mean honestly it it reminds me I mean I feel like almost the exact kind of thing happened to Jordan Peele Jordan Peele first time (laughs) filmmaker first time director and and won the writing Oscar and yeah uh, I, I, for some reason, when we started Take 3, I was, like, wanting to mention Get Out. (laughs) And (laughs) I think maybe because Get Out has so much that's dissectable in it. Or so many things that the fans get to point out crazy ideas about. And that's how I feel. Like, I feel like Emerald left us all these breadcrumbs and I get to pick them up. And she may say yes or no to them. Because I don't know if you boys watched the video of Jordan Peele responding to fan theories for Get Out. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yep. Where people are like, oh, she's racist. That's why the Fruit Loops and the milk are separate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, I just thought that'd be a weird thing. And so <laughs> I feel that I feel definitely like that. It's always Sunny in Philadelphia meme where he's pointing at the crazy board behind him. Yeah. <laughs> with this movie. <laughs> That's too yeah. funny. Do you watch that show? I don't. Do you? No. Okay. So I watched one episode, uh, I think with Jordan's family and they were at a water park and it was really funny. And then I've never gone back Mm -hmm. to it ever. You know what I'm talking about? I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've seen parts and it's funny and it's my younger siblings like favorite show. And so I know way too much about it. And they've showed (laughs) me a few episodes and I laugh every time. I just, that's a, that's a task. How many seasons it's had so far. I think I've seen the first season, but it's on like, it's still running. (laughs) Yeah. With its renewal, I think it just broke a record or something. Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised at all. Um, okay, I completely forgot what I was talking about. Was I talking or was someone else? Oh, I was talking. You were talking, talking about the mood board and stuff. Yeah, yeah. okay, okay. So uh, I'll chime in if appropriate, actually. Um, because you know I'm, what? I'm actually, that... no, me and Courtney are having a conversation. And if you oh, could... I see. No, just kidding. Okay, this has been great. Thanks, guys. Don't leave me. No, I, <laughs> I would never. Uh, so I, I read something about this or I saw a video or something. And I, like a lot of times I never know if things are like a real stretch or not. But you bringing up those breadcrumbs and things that we can pick at uh, makes me 
really want to discuss this. And especially if she was given a mood board or the editor was given a mood board for this, it's kind of seems more plausible. Someone brought up the idea of pink and blue, the two yeah. those two colors being very heavy in this movie to sort of represent, you know, the, the two different sides being Cassie's character and the men that she's up against. Like it hits us right in the face. Mm-hmm. The first time that we see Ryan, he's in a blue sweater. Any of the boys at the bachelor party, they're pretty much every single one of them are wearing blue. She's always bathed in pink. Uh, a lot of the movie where she's not playing this drunk character, she's like in a lot of pastels and very bathed in this light that's sort of angelic and stuff. But as soon as she goes to the club, she's always wearing like black and white and much more formal, like businessy stuff. So yeah, like now that you bring that up, a lot of that makes more sense and seems a lot more plausible that that was intentional and not just, you know, fan theories and stuff. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. She sees the world in like this black and white way. So she's going to just like punish everybody in her path. And then in reality or just when she's being herself, it's all like light and fluffy. And something that I found is that I'm pretty sure Emerald said it is that uh, I think Cassie is dressed like in these beautiful pastels because they're so appealing and non-threatening. And like even her nails, you wouldn't expect a girl with nails like this to punish you or kill you or anything. And Emerald, I believe, compared her to a jawbreaker. That's poisonous in the middle. Oh my God. Any review I see about this movie talks about how it's like this big candy wrapper of yeah. a movie with like all these candy themes. Oh, I love that so much. I'm so glad that you said that. <laughs> yeah. And the whole, awesome. the whole pharmacy scene is just, just that montage of blues on Ryan and pinks mm-hmm. on Cassie. And then it's, yep. it's so gendered and, and bubblegum and happy. Yeah. And it's just not what life yep. is actually like. <laughs> That in itself is an antiquated idea, too. That's really smart. Yeah. So more about uh, Friedrich Thorval. Uh, he was hired after just one brief uh, meeting. He described it more as a talk with uh, Emerald Fennel as well. And he recalls feeling instant chemistry between the two of them. He said at one point that he wasn't sure why he was hired specifically, but that he guesses that it might be because he worked in so many different genres of film, like I had said before. And uh, he brings up the opening scene, which is shot, written, edited, scored like a horror movie, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, and but then like the pharmacy scene comes to mind, and that feels like it's straight out of a modern comedy. And I feel like it it's certainly beneficial to have somebody who's worked on multiple different genres of film to know how to cut because you might not notice it and not to I don't mean to sound like elitist or anything but like if you're not an editor you might not notice but those things are edited very differently you yeah. know so he said this quote that I really like but it's actually kind of long but I still I think it's really interesting that you guys will think is interesting as well so and I'm not going to say it in a French accent you guys need to pretend <laughs> that I am French I am French. (laughs) So he says, quote, I like the idea of working in the U.S. after starting in France, too, because it gives me a foot in two different types of cultures. I like the idea of taking from both, blending and using things that you usually don't uh, choose for this or that or having different influences. And at the end of the day, for now, the mix is working. He said, when I'm cutting... I'm just trying to feel the flow of the dailies, feel the flow of what I'm emotionally reacting to. I've never heard, for example, act one, two, and three before arriving in the U.S. This is something that when I was working in France, maybe the writers were using, but in the cutting room, we were not talking about that. And I was like, what? That's awesome. (laughs) 
That made me that really is. interesting. happy. I was like, well, this is really cool. I mean, I've seen some French movies, but I kind of like want to now do a deep dive into French cinema. Cool. Another cool thing that I read about him that kind of fits with uh, this is the chapter numbers weren't actually in the script. Ooh, but yeah. instead were brought up by Fennel in the editing room to help audiences feel like there was more of a clearly laid out plan of Cassie's and that we were being taken along with it. And it, it kind of helps the editing of the movie as well because you're meeting new characters mm-hmm. and they kind of disappear after they have their little segment. So breaking it up into segments, a lot of chapters, makes a lot of sense. And we get tally marks uh, one, two, and three so fast, and then she gives it up for a while, and then we get tally mark four, and then we're still shocked at the fifth tally mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's that's a really good point, yeah. That was. I have a note here that I think you'll appreciate along these lines, Nick, is that these steps or these tally marks, they remind me a lot of Saw, specifically the third movie. And I don't think that this is really giving away any spoilers, but we kind of get little snippets of everyone that is involved in the system. Uh, Like every single cog in the machine that led to uh, not really only Nina's attack, but like every victim to this type of assault. So it's like, we get the lawyer, we get the university, we get every single like, cog that made this possible and it really did remind me of of the third saw in that regard and i thought you'd appreciate that you started to realize that everyone that jigsaw's ever met ever is going to be targeted (laughs) everyone ever (laughs) very good point good job way to go you guys are doing such a great job you too can i put y'all on the spot with a question then yeah, I actually have a question for you to put you on the spot, so oh. no, I don't feel as bad for doing that. So let's do it, let's do it. it first or second? You want to go now? No or second. Later? Okay. So speaking <laughs> of tally marks, I have my own theory, but in her notebook, Cassie writes down the names of the men who she has picked up and subsequently punished, and she marks tallies in her notebook. And she's been doing this for years. And in the script, it even says that this is not new. This has been going on for a very long time. And we see all the tally marks are either in red, black, or blue ink. And the script does not say why. And Carrie has been asked in interviews, what do the colors mean? And she has said, that is for me and Emerald to know and no one else. <laughs> That's cruel. And I think I, I think I've cracked it, but I want to hear what your thoughts are. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. But again, I could be completely wrong. I don't know. (laughs) Like, part of me... And that makes sense because she has that notebook wrapped up in that that hair tie with a pen. So it's not just like she can... Maybe it's not with a pen, but it's not like she just... It's whatever pen is on hand. Yeah. So it is... It does seem more intentional. I have no idea. Yeah, there's no pattern for it. It's not like red, blue, black, red, blue, black. It's it's whatever she she decides. Yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> and I could be 100% wrong. I just, I tried desperately to like piece it together and think. So the first time we see her do it is with Adam Brody. And his name is Jerry. And she writes his name in black. And then the next time we see her do it, we actually don't see the interaction she had with this man. We just hear his voice and she's doing like a kind of like a little girl and he comments on her pigtails 
and then we see her go under her bed and write his name down and leave a tally mark in red. And then the next one, we see the whole interaction, and we finally get to see what she does to these men with Christopher Mintz Plass, and she writes his name down in blue. So we have a black, then a red, then a blue. With your theory, does it have anything to do with, like, like what they did to her? I Kind or, of. Or, yeah. like, I don't want to, this is terrible, but, like, how far they got or something, like... I didn't think of how far they got, but, um... Do you want me to share mine? Just what I think? And yeah, you can tell yeah, me yeah. if it's just, wrong? Just tell us. <laughs> yeah. Please. Or then you talk yeah. and we'll figure it out together. So <laughs> with Adam Brody, it's black and we don't see what she does. But later we do see her picking up his friend. And I think Cassie is smart enough to know that that's his friend. Um, and then with the other guy, we don't see him and she uses red. And in the script, it's noted that after that man, she has bruises on her. And then with Neil, the Christopher Mintz Plass McLovin character, it's blue and we see what she does to him. I think blue means neutralized, no longer a threat. She, she fixed him. That guy's not going to do shit again. I think red means this man is a predator and he will continue to do it. And I tried my best, but I'm fucked. And black means I'm going to try again and I'm going to do it to one of his friends. <laughs> Oh my god. Huh. That's what I think. I fucking love that. Holy shit. It almost as it almost makes you wonder because I I remember back to you saying how uh she was talking about how uh some girls carry scissors. No, what was it? So yeah, yeah, scissors. And it makes me wonder if maybe maybe this is silly and stupid, but like Maybe she's part of a team or something, and maybe oh. she gets together with these girls and discusses that, and maybe that's something that they discuss. Like, oh, this guy could use some more work or something like that. That's I want that spinoff. Fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> right? I want yeah. that sequel. That's awesome. Oh, my God. That book Absolutely genius. Uh, just reminds me of um, The Bride's Death List in Kill Bill. Like when she's Ooh. writing all their names and she's <laughs> scratching them all off. You gotta have a list. Yeah. <laughs> Courtney, that is genius. Like, that takes the fucking cake. Like, I hope I'm right. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, even if you're not, like, that is a Reddit theory to end all Reddit theories. That is Ooh, I dope. should go post it. <laughs> yes. Okay, there's, like, one last thing that I have. I was looking for a little applause, but it's fine. Okay. <laughs> you haven't said it yet. <laughs> yeah, well, like, what... There's this term that's sometimes used in editing called landscaping where you speed up the pace of a of a section of the film and have like with cuts and then have that lead up to or follow directly after a slower paced shot or sequence. And a lot of times its purpose is to emphasize the importance of the slower paced moment. And so when Cassie is putting uh, on her makeup and there is, are these quick jump cuts of her getting ready. And then it cuts to her getting out of her car and walking up to the bachelor uh, party house like mm. in one long shot. Obviously, that is an example of landscaping. And it's triggering something almost subconsciously in our minds to be like, oh, this is important. Shit's about to go down. I mean, you can use like story context and the music also help with that. But it's good that it's all very cohesive. And uh, I just wanted to, to say more editing things. <laughs> oh, I love and, that. I mean, it's this, it's the science behind it that we don't, as layman's, notice or know about, but it's affecting our brains and our viewing experience. 
Totally. Totally. Oh, and one more thing. Sorry. Uh, apparently, they were in the editing room, and Emerald was working on her laptop, and, like, abruptly turned to Friedrich and was like, I found a string quartet playing Toxic that I slowed down by half that we oh have to use. Oh, my God. That is the sexiest thing. Absolutely the best song. Like, this whole soundtrack is incredible, but that moment, because we I watch movies with subtitles, and as soon as that came up, I was like, no fucking way. That is genius and amazing. <laughs> Best toxic part. instrumental yeah i think i put that as my letterbox review because that was just like the most of this whole movie i obviously thought that, that was the most the greatest part but it's a perfect moment it truly it really is. is is this where we clap <laughs> thank you thank you thank you so just to kind of round off my notes uh, i love allison Bree's character for a very specific reason she's there to show that it's not enough to just not do these bad things to women yeah you kind of have to be actively against it and not just be a bystander i think her character proves that that kind of position is almost just as harmful and i also love the genius of her character when she's talking about how when you get that drunk things happen as she's pouring herself another glass (laughs) of wine and the hypocrisy is just spelled out right in front of us and uh, she's just, I, I love i love her character for that. And this is the, the discussion that I wanted to bring up with you. I think Cassie goes on a, a very, how do I put this? I think throughout the movie, she she goes through different stages. Like first, the first stage of her character, she is, she is this kind of vigilante, kind of quietly doing justice. And then she meets Ryan. And there's the scene where she meets with Nina's mom. And her mom says, move on, please, for all of us. And I think at that point, she kind of, I don't want to say calmed down, but she kind of uh, stepped away from that vigilante and just was like, I'm going to enjoy my time with Ryan. I'm going to live my life like I want to. And then she figures out that, you know, Ryan was a part of all of that. And it, it just launches her trajectory in in like the best way possible. But when Nina's mom said that, when she said, move on, please, for all of us, I felt kind of conflicted because on one hand I was like, no, we want her to keep doing this. We want her to kind of keep showing these men what's wrong with them. And I really wanted Nina's mom to be on her side and maybe support that. But she's also kind of still supporting Cassie in a way that's saying like, I've moved on from this. You should too kind of thing. I don't, I was like so conflicted when she said that line. I didn't know how to feel. And I wondered if you had any thoughts on, on that particular moment. I agree that it is something we want to see her keep doing, but it is never going to get her anywhere. She's going to continue to work at that coffee shop. She's going to continue to be hurt every single weekend by men, and she's going to continue to be a disappointment to her parents, not have friends, not have love, not have any aspect of life in the same way that a dead girl doesn't. She doesn't have much more going for her than Nina does, and it ultimately gets her killed. And so I just, my heart breaks for maybe like, my heart breaks for her parents when they have that line of, we missed Nina, but we really missed you too. And now they're going to have to experience this. And Molly Shannon's even going to have to go to her funeral and, and, and be a part of that and know that the same man who is responsible for her daughter taking her own life, if I'm assuming that's what Nina did, also took Cassie's. And so... I I hear the conflict in there, and that's kind of why this movie is not necessarily about hubris, but it's about 
taking it too far and how you can try to do right in the world, but it's not always going to pan out. And that whole scene, too, is kind of like a a superhero hanging up their cape. Yeah. They, they realize what's important. They realize Mary Jane is what they should be focused on and they're going to stop fighting crime. And I know Spider-Man doesn't wear a cape, but... <laughs> <laughs> I would have noticed that on the edit and been like, what? (laughs) I know he doesn't. In the end, you have to go back out and keep fighting. And it just sucks because Spider-Man never dies. Spider-Man doesn't get killed in front of us by the Green Goblin. He doesn't get ripped apart by Doc Ock. And Cassie does because she's a woman and because this is a realistic men's world. And that sucks. Somebody's never seen Infinity War. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking... Solo. <laughs> like <laughs> No, I'm I'm glad that you answered that. And I think it, it does put things in perspective and it almost makes Molly Shannon's character almost like the control group of this sort of fantastic story. Mm. And I think it kind of it's a way that allows the story to humanize Cassie a little bit. And I don't know why that particular line stuck out for me, but it was I was like so conflicted. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> no. <laughs> Like I want her to, I want you to keep fighting for her daughter, and I want you to want her to keep doing that. But in a way, she is right. Like she does need to be true to herself, and and maybe stop, like you said, abusing herself for, for that. So, I think she's also like pleading with this girl who probably was like another daughter for her to live the life that Nina's not going to get to live. You know, like go and be happy, do things that are fulfilling to you. Because this is a road that, while, yeah, it is doing good, it obviously is not going to end well. And I mean, again, she was right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I do like how, no matter what, when people watch movies, different things are going to hit differently for them. And I like that that stood out to you, Jordan. Because (laughs) the most recent time I watched this in the theater that I rented, um, I went to the bathroom during that scene. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) I mean, I've seen the movie, but I was like, this is a good time to pee. (laughs) To to your defense, it probably is. But um, I think it's just because we see all of these characters in this movie, and they're all sort of very... They're believable, but they're fantastic. Like they're 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 much yeah. they're very very big characters, and I think Nina's mom was not. She was she was just sort of this very believable, very average, again the the control character, and um, mm-hmm. it, which it you do not expect one. from Molly Shannon. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Why don't you go drink a bottle of yourself? <laughs> go drink a bottle of yourself, Evian. Yeah. Especially when your dad is Mr. Krabs and your mom is Jennifer Coolidge <laughs> and then it's like the one normal character is Molly Shannon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Truly. Truly. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. Speaking of characters, just one last thing. I just think is absolutely amazing. Oh, and now I forgot her fucking name. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Who who's Laverne the, Cox, La, Gail? Okay, yeah. Yes. I'm I just think it is amazing that like we have Laverne Cox playing character that it, it's not a big deal about, you know, whether or not she's trans. Like that's not a part of the I mean like it may or may not be part of the character, but it's never brought up and it's not a big deal just like it shouldn't be in real life. And I just I really I appreciated that that it's like never mentioned. We need more of that. Oh, yeah. And I mean, especially Laverne Cox. Hire her. She's phenomenal. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Like what Jordan said about I care a lot. Let them be lesbians. Yeah. (laughs) Who cares? They just are. Yes. 
There's was, no explanation needed. <laughs> They're in love. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because I was about to. And I was like, no, I won't. But think that's that's what I love about that movie. Yeah. And Peter Dinklage is in that. His size isn't mentioned a single time. And I love that. No. It's representation They're at just, its finest. Yeah, exactly. It's good representation. Absolutely. Okay, well, to, to close it, I just have a couple things that are fun and funky fresh because um focus features had a website and it's still up right now but it's like called focus features for your consideration and so it was everything that they submitted for award season this past year like the the hair and makeup and costuming for emma and then everything they submitted promising young woman for and they even submitted it for production design which i really think it deserved and obviously hair and makeup and costuming and costuming gosh it deserved (laughs) whatever (laughs) but some fun things that were on like the mood board and the aesthetics and the uh concepts that the production designer came up with that are slappy (laughs) (laughs) remember in in take two how um you guys brought up how it kind of looks like she's got a halo around her or even above her, like in the, the restaurant scene with Madison, there's like yeah. that. The one and light, said, it's, it's just the one light that's the one light. none of them, none <laughs> that's of them are. That's a little halo. Yeah. Yeah. Genius. And I said, it's like Joan of Arc. Um, Jesus. The fucking hotel name that she takes Madison to is called the Hotel St. Joan. So. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> no fucking way. And then this next one. I'm hoping, I'm assuming Nick is going to get this reference. And I was like, that's fucking dark and a little heavy handed. So they never actually show it. Like the hospital that Ryan works at, they never show the name of the hospital. But in all of the production photos and like their plans for the outside exterior of the hospital, the hospital he works at was named Bathory Hospital. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And I was like, that's fucking ridiculous that's a lot um after countess elizabeth bathory who was a murderer (laughs) like bathed in her in the uh in in her blood of handmaidens blood and stuff that's where uh speaking of saw three uh the the ice (laughs) trap like where she's getting sprayed naked with water so she would make to i guess to punish i guess i don't I wasn't there. This might not be real, but uh, I read it somewhere. I wasn't there. (laughs) Yeah. She made, um, she would make like her, I don't know if they were like misbehaving or something, make like her servants stand outside naked and they would throw cold water on them. Oh God. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't show that because that's a, that's a lot. (laughs) Yes. But um, I did like that. (laughs) And then the last one is me. Reaching. Reaching really far. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to do it. Do it. So the university that Cassie and Nina attended was called Forest University. And that's where all of their problems began. And where do they end? With Cassie dead in a forest. Oh, shit. That's what I thought. (laughs) I was like, why is it called Forest? If we're going to go like that hardcore and name the the hospital, Bathory Hospital. Like, why is the university named Forest? And that's what I thought. That's great. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. then on the the production photos for the cabin and the concept for it, and like how above the fucking bed where she dies, there's a sign that says "Yeehaw." <laughs> oh my god. Oh no. It's not funny, but. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the production designer wrote. <laughs> 
There can never be enough wood, tartan, or regret in this scene. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so uh, shout out to that gal, or I think it was a man, whatever. <laughs> shout out to the production designers. Let me let me pull up what their names were. Uh, yes, Michael T. Perry. Michael T. Perry was the production designer, and yeah. So you said their name. You were being like woke and not gendering this person, and I was expecting two people. Okay. No, I'm going to name another one. Oh, okay. Never. <laughs> <laughs> the page was loading. <laughs> Just because I think that they deserve accolades. The production designer was Michael T. Perry. The art director was Liz Klokzowski. The graphic designer was Ashley Henkla, and the set decorator was Ray DeSlick. Ooh. That's a name. <laughs> it looks like Ray Delish, but it's DeSlick. <laughs> okay, well, we, everybody did good. This is going to be long, and Jordan has volunteered to edit it, and... <laughs> Absolutely not. Courtney, you have been a fantastic guest, and this movie was so wonderful. Please come back anytime. Please actually come back a lot of times, uh, because we're going to need help. (laughs) Of course. This is going to be great. I am so, so glad you were able to join us. This movie is fantastic. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and your expertise and for really introducing me at least to this movie because I it like without you I probably would not have watched it or even knew it existed so yeah because he's a huge misogynist and he'd been like I don't need to see that <laughs> he man woman hater over here so do we make him apologize for his gender a third time <laughs> I will do. like I can't do it enough truly <laughs> once <laughs> once per take yeah <laughs> hey it's Courtney Thank you so much for giving this episode a listen, for tolerating my obnoxious, nervous giggling, and for continuing to listen to my talented, beautiful, amazing genius nephews. I am only one third of the podcast, We Explain Movies, but if you found Take 3 AMP, you can find us. We're available on all major podcast platforms and social media at We Explain Movies. If you like what you heard today, please find it in your heart to leave us a five-star rating and review and subscribe. Please be sure to check out all 70 plus episodes of We Explain Movies including our two crossover episodes with Take 3. We've done episodes on The Lobster. Also, we did one on The Godfather, The Godfather 2, The Godfather 3. Oh, sorry, I read that wrong. I meant to say we did episodes on Fifty Shades of Grey. Happy listening!